In the holy name of Jesus, amen. I spent a week in Milwaukee with 1,200 Lutherans, and I came back with a head cold. Thank you for putting up with me today. We hate waste. We can't stand seeing YouTubers driving and destroying $100,000 cars so they can get more views. We see the mega mansions of the multiple wealthy, rich, and famous, and we become disgusted at the fact that they have 25 bathrooms and 30 bedrooms. We practically weep this time of year because we can't eat all of the zucchini and tomatoes in our garden, and we have to turn it back to the ground. We think that we are against waste, but we waste all that the Lord has given to us by holding on to them so tightly. I would bet that the highest percentage of hoarders in the world are found in the United States. I love that show on A&E, Hoarders. It kind of makes me want to clean up my garage. We stash away stuff in the barns, stuff stuff everywhere for future use, that that use may never come. We put these things all over the place where they do nothing but rust away. Why? Because of greed and a lack of trust. We are saving things for a rainy day, keep piling up our bank accounts, don't touch it, because there's going to be some day where God might forget us or not provide. We need to be self-sufficient. The Lord helps those who help themselves. That's not even in the Bible. Don't listen to that. We can't always trust in the Lord to provide, even though we just stated in the creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Today is the ninth Sunday of Trinity, as I told Pastor Leach coming into Bible class here today. Uh, I wish I would have taken this Sunday off as well because of the parable of the unjust steward. This is a hard parable. It's hard to figure out. I wasn't even going to preach on it today. I was going to preach on 1 Corinthians. Then a couple of our theological know-it-alls challenged me. So both barrels are loaded. The kingdom of God is not like your kingdom or my kingdom that we set up. In life, here on earth, if the prodigals of Jesus were on our own terms, the prodigal son would have to earn his way back into his family's grace. Debtors would be expected to pay everything. Seeds would be sown in nice, orderly rows and not scattered all over the place. And that one lost sheep would have to die on account of the shepherd. Today we hear about this unjust steward or unjust manager. This steward has been wasting his boss's goods. The boss gets wind of it and he says, you're fired. 
The steward doesn't make any excuses, no attempts. He doesn't try to bargain or requests for another chance. The steward is told, bring your books. I need to see him. But we see something here of the boss's character, the master's character. The steward could have easily been put in prison or in Jesus' time, he could have been executed for his crimes. But the boss decides to let him go quietly. But before anyone knows that this steward is fired, he decides that he's going to be a little more self-centered and he's going to leave on his own terms and by making good friends with his clients. He does so by canceling their obligations, their debts. He calls them in one by one and says, how much do you owe? A hundred. Take it down to 50. One by one, he takes what the master has already given to him and that he squanders, and he squanders it away with the people who are doing business with his boss. They're business people. They're renters. They owe back to the boss. And the steward tells them to write down a new number. Write down that their rent is due is much lower than they thought. And the steward goes back to the master with these new contracts. You're going to fire me? Here's the contracts I'm leaving with you. There are new terms written in the client's own hands. Now you and I might think in the kingdom of us, that the boss would go after the steward. And then he would go after the renters. He would say to the renters, you were swindled by my employee that I fired. That's a false bill. You owe me what you owe. Cough it up. But that's not what happens. The boss has a dilemma. The renters didn't know that this steward was fired. And Jewish law in Jesus' time would clearly say that the steward, what he was doing, was not legal. So the master has no obligation with these new contracts. But he's got a dilemma because the renters now are praising the boss. He's been so merciful. He's been so generous. This guy has really relieved my debt. But think about this. If he takes that back, how are the people going to look at him? They're not going to like him. We're confused. One minute we owed this, then his sales rep, his steward, says, no, this has been canceled, and now we're back to where we were. Sounds like Washington, D.C., the steward is very crafty with things they're not, that are not his. But this parable today is not about the stewardship, steward putting the master into an awkward situation. This parable is not even about you trying to find yourself as one of the characters. And heaven help us, this parable is not a stewardship sermon. The very key thing that I want you to think in this complicated, confusing parable 
is this. This unjust steward knows his boss. He knows what kind of boss he's working for. He knows that this boss is generous and merciful. And the boss puts up with this wastefulness. He didn't inflict the full account of the law. He didn't sue him. He didn't have him executed. The steward, through his whole life, all of his hope, all of his future, into the fact that he knew that the master was generous and merciful. He didn't try to bargain. He didn't complain. He threw himself on what he knew about the master. You are generous. You are merciful. If the master is truly generous, if he is truly merciful, that is his truest character. He will honor what he does. He will honor the contracts that he's been put before him. He will even keep the steward employed for the good reputation that the steward has gained by his unfaithfulness of the boss's goods. This is hard because we don't think this way in the world today. There are not bosses or masters like this in the world today. But that's the whole point of all of these parables. God acts like a master or a boss like you and I have never known. He acts like one that we can barely imagine. How do you treat the people who have misused you? Who have misused your love, your generosity, your kindness? How do you treat those who have misused and abused the things that you have? We want payback. We want to be made right. You took advantage of my generosity. You took advantage of my gift. You took advantage of something that was not your own, and you're going to have to pay for it. That's not the master here today. He is more generous and more merciful than we are capable of. almost done. (laughs) He is pleased with the steward when the steward gives his stuff away for free. The waste that the steward did earlier was probably that he was gathering up full rents and putting it into his own accounts rather than passing it on to his boss. We call this the parable of the unjust steward, but I think we should call it the parable of the merciful steward. That's the lesson that he learns. His boss is gracious and merciful. Your God is gracious and merciful. It's hard to believe that God is gracious and merciful. He does and he is and he will always provide and he always, always will. His kingdom is always for you and it is always free. Yes, you paid for your car, your house, your brunch that you're planning on later, but it is all out of his fatherly divine goodness and providence. 
Even more so, his salvation by his kingdom is free because he has taken all of our wastefulness and our sin onto the cross and he has given himself up for you. A whole burnt offering. The Lord has taken on our sins even though he knew no sin and he has taken our wastefulness and he has made you richer than you could ever imagine because he is gracious and merciful. What do you need to pay for your sins today? Your wastefulness, your anger, your jealousy, your being upset with your neighbor. What do you need to pay today? The master says nothing. How much is the entrance fee into heaven? What is on your bill? Nothing. How much is the rent that Jesus says as he places a, prepares a place for you? Nothing. How much is this feast here today of Jesus' true body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? We're going to check the offering plate first. It is absolutely free. You owe nothing. Nothing for you because it has cost the Father his Son, the Spirit of his Beloved, and his Son his very life for you. But for you, it's free. It's crazy. Makes no sense in our inflated economy today. <coughs> I'm almost done. Oh, we've got some hot water. Thank you. <coughs> I'm never going back to Milwaukee. <laughs> Hopefully nobody there is watching. The Lord did not need to save you to pay this terrible price, but he was moved by compassion. The Bible says over and over, his mercy endures forever. The Lord is against savings accounts, hedge funds, and balanced treasures and investments. He throws everything, everything he has into the sacrifice of his son to purchase you. He is generous and merciful and loving to you. Even when we are miserable with what he does for us. Even when we are angry and miserable with each other. Even when we have betrayed each other and even him. Even when we hate him and the fact that he doesn't seem to take care of us. He doesn't care. He doesn't care where you're at. There is no variety. He pays it all up for you. And here's the thing. Believe it or not, there are those Christians today that say that Jesus only died for those who believe in him. He didn't die for the unbelieving world. He only died for the people that have faith in him. They call that the limited atonement. In a sense that the cross is only effective if you believe and receive this from Jesus. Lutherans outright reject this. So many texts talk about God loving the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. Other texts talk about the fact that he gave up his life 
for the salvation of the whole world. And whether or not you realize it today, this parable talks about God's unlimited mercy, grace, and atonement for the world as well. God gives up his son even knowing that most will never benefit from it. He gives up his son even though there are those who will say that this is wasteful. Why pay for those who don't, won't eat? Why die for those who won't believe? Because it's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his love. And he will do with it as he wishes, no matter what you or I think. His mercy is great. His mercy endures forever. It's not changed by your opinion, your kingdom, or mine. It's not changed by the wrath of the world, the rage of our sin and anger, or even our unbelief. It's not even changed by the frustration of conservative Christians who nitpick about who is and isn't saved. He's the boss, but he's merciful. He's the boss, but he's gracious. He's the boss, but he's loving, loving toward you, loving toward the world, loving for you and me to be the beneficiaries of his kingdom. And now you do receive all that you don't deserve. You have more than you could ever imagine. Luther says that you have received everything in a sack and your sack is overflowing, get yourself another sack, he says, because your cup is overflowing. That's how the kingdom of God works. No matter where you are, no matter how wasteful, how sinful you have been, he is gracious, he is merciful, and he has given you his kingdom for free by the blood of Jesus. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.